Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be part of the Sparkfile coaching community? Here's how the Sparkfile community describes it. The most honest, safe, life-affirming, and life-changing experience I've had in all my 55 years. The best. I'm incredibly grateful to Laura and Susan for teaching me the tools and structures that I need to get past the fear and to just do it anyway. The Spark File is a portal to your creative powers and believing in yourself. This group is spiritually, emotionally, mentally supportive, creative, amazing, encouraging, life-shifting, and liberating uber talented warm thoughtful lovely wonderful people i need a group like this to give me the kick in the ass that i need to start making the things that i want to make and do there's a big beautiful creative trampoline that just like catches you gently and just launches you out with so much love if you want to learn more about the spark file creativity coaching including our six-month blaze course visit the sparkfile.com slash blaze and schedule a no pressure no obligation call to find out what is possible and how we can support you it's time to take it and make it the spark file podcast may contain profanity and other adult content please use your discretion When I bump into something that inspires me, I dump it in my spark file. To be something that I want to make or how I want to be, I pump it in my spark file. I jump into my spark Welcome to the Spark File, where we believe that everyone is creative, but smart, creative people don't go it alone. I'm Laura Camion. And I'm Susan Blackwell, and we are creativity coaches who help people fear less, create more, and bring their creative visions to life. If you are an original member of the Spark File community, welcome back, Sparkler. You've been listening to this band from the beginning. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome, friend. Know that just by listening to this podcast, you are joining a warm and wonderful clan of creatives. But you may be asking yourself, what exactly is a spark file? A spark file is a place where you consistently collect all your inspirations and fascinations. If you're like us and you're making stuff all the time or you want to be making stuff all the time, you know, if you're not careful, your campfire of creativity can flicker out. But don't despair. We're collecting kindling in the form of fresh ideas, images, and inspiration that spark creativity and peak curiosity. To light a fire under our collective asses to make things like this podcast. Or an upgrade to the way we engage with the world. I want an upgrade to the mm -hmm. way I engage with the world. You might. Every episode, we're going to reach into our spark files and exchange some sparks. And from time to time, we're going to talk to some folks who spark us too. That means we have more sparks than we can possibly ever use in this lifetime. So if something lights you up, we encourage you to take that thing and make something out of it. Without further ado, friends, let's open up the, the spark, spark file. Feel. Hi, Laura Camion. Hi, Susie Q. I'm excited for a spark. How are you doing? I'm so well. I'm relaxed and excited, or as I like to say, relaxated. Relaxated. And it feels so, so good. good. 
I love a spark <sighs> recording day. I love yeah. it. It's one of my great joys in life. Yeah. Very, very fun. I'm excited as well. I think I told you before, I'm also sparked, like extra spark today, extra charged because I've been working on this screenplay and today, literally today, a little epiphany came to me about a sequence of events that fit that I was like, this is the puzzle piece I have been looking for. Clicking into place. It was like it had fallen on the floor and got tucked under the rug <laughs> and I could not find it. And today I found it and I'm so, 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 so excited. It's that, you know, that thing that you have said before of just like, this is the feeling that we chase. This is the thing. This is the why we do this. I love that feeling where I actually had this feeling yesterday, you and me, and I think our client, Mona Patel, were having a conversation yeah. and we were sort of building something in our minds, talking about the possibility of something and sort of talking it into existence. And I got that feeling where I was like, oh, I love this feeling. This is the feeling I chase. It's a feeling of creating something. Yes. It's big. Congratulations on finding that little puzzle piece. Thank you. I haven't written it yet, but I have it in my mind and I wrote it down as bullet points. I'm like, this is... You know the assignment. Mm-hmm. So But Suze, I'm also excited to share a spark with you today. Are you ready? I couldn't be more ready. <laughs> Reporting for duty, sir. All right. Well, listen, we are about if you can believe it, a full three years since the world shut down <gasps> for a pandemic. Oh, yeah. We're just about at the three-year mark. And when this airs, it might be right right around there. Wow. Happy anniversary. Uh-huh. Happy anniversary. And suffice to say that we learned and we've changed and we've evolved over that time. Maybe in some ways we regressed during that time. We, as in the big sense of we, we, all of the people. But on the other side of it now, I think like we're still processing all the ways we as individuals may have changed and also how we've changed as a society, a country, a world. Every day it feels like, I don't know, you and I at least are always talking, noticing like how the rules are changing. Do we do this anymore? Do we do this now? What is happening? And sometimes it feels like we're catching up. We're wondering, when is everyone else going to catch up? It's just been a very interesting time. I have one of those that I've been pondering. Oh, oh, I can't wait to hear that. I, it's, I don't know that it's necessarily tied to the pandemic, but it has emerged as I have gone back out into the world. I have intersected with it and yeah. it wasn't in place before the pandemic. Oh, interesting. But it, I don't know if it has anything to do with your spark. Okay, we'll see if it comes up. And yeah. if it doesn't, remember that and we'll say it at the end. Okay. I'll note it. Yep. All right. Well, as if to help us all get on the same page last week or when this airs it will have been a few weeks ago new york magazine's the cut came out with new rules on how to text tip ghost host and generally exist in polite society today amazing <laughs> your face amazing. i wish i could have captured your face <laughs> 
Amazing. I Amazing. feel like I look like a crazy puppet whose head popped up and my mouth flew open. I loved it. I loved it. Yes, that's exactly. And like these rules, just you wait. Okay. I know that this exists. This is why yeah. I'm so excited. I know that this exists and I wanted to get into that article, oh. but it's behind a paywall for me. Oh. And I was just like, God dang it. Oh. And you are going to permeate the paywall. I totally and give am. Me, give mama what she needs. I totally am. This article has been everywhere. Yeah. And the thing is, so there's no specific writers attributed to the piece, but the editors of New York Magazine, Katie Schneider, Joy Shan, Corey Seashan, I hope I'm saying that name right, and Alexis Swerdloff. They said this, at some point last fall, we began to reluctantly acknowledge that the past three years may have altered or broken something inside our brains. Maybe it was all the time we spent hiding behind our screens. Maybe it was from watching the slow motion collapse of our community ties and our social safety net. But for whatever reason, it became clear that a lot of us were confused about how to be in society again. Over the past few months, we polled colleagues, friends, and writers about the situations that induce the most anxiety in us. And the result is an obsessive, slightly neurotic list of 194 new rules of etiquette, a modern day guide on how to exist in society. All right. 194 rules, did you say? Yes. I said 194. Settle in, folks. Oh, my God. Settle in. How fast It's going to be a bumpy night. No, um, we're not obviously going to go over all of them. But I grouped a few of them into oh, a couple of buckets. Like ones I agree with that I think, well, I mean, you might surprise me, though, and be like, I don't agree with that. So ones I agree with and ones I questioned or are kind of cringe uh-huh. for a variety of reasons. One of which is that I've probably broken those rules more times than I can count. Oh, So we'll get into those. So New York Magazine divided them into categories, which included like friends and lovers, strangers and others, going out and staying in, tipping, work, the city, parenting, posting and texting, this article, Suze, sparked me for so many reasons. First, as I mentioned, it turns out that I'm guilty of a lot of infractions and I want to apologize and I need to reflect <laughs> on some of the things I've done and said. Oh. But I was also sparked by seeing how these rules obviously really lit people up. It was like, it's a conversation piece that did exactly what it was designed to do. It sparked conversations everywhere. As you saw it on social media, other media outlets wrote about this piece all over the place. The New York Post, which as you can imagine, fell into the anti-woke attacks. Their headline was, absurd new edicts advise New Yorkers to police their language and tip at bodegas. Other people called the rules deranged and out of touch. It was even called etiquette for assholes. The comment section of the article alone was as great a read as the article itself. Wow. So it sparked people. Yeah. 
So I thought today we could have a hearty debate about some of these concepts, Suze. Bring it on. Bring it on. Okay. Bring on the sparks. Okay. So let me tell you real quick how New York Magazine says that they developed the list. Essentially, for all the aforementioned reasons, they felt like the post-pandemic caused our, like, our social graces to atrophy. So they said they started with the problems. They asked people what specific kinds of interactions or situations really made them anxious or afraid or uncertain or ashamed. From there, they created rigid but not entirely inflexible rules. Then they themselves implemented the rules in their personal and professional lives. Okay. They said some of them really didn't work. So they fine-tuned and eliminated and vetted. Then they talked to friends entertaining experts and service workers. They sparked office arguments and made messes. And then finally, they arrived at this guide. So it was a group effort. Like I said, there's no single writer for this piece, but there are times when they quote someone directly or add stories or anecdotes or explanations from a specific person. And when we come across those, I will note that when I'm reading words from a specific person. Okay. But otherwise, it's from this article. So you ready to jump in? Yeah. Okay. Let's start with the easy stuff. (laughs) And I say it's easy because I think, I think, I know I agree with it, and I think you will too, but we will see. We'll see. Please, by all means, feel free to disagree with me. So in the general bucket of rules I agree with, they have the rule gift randomly. Oh. I think we both agree on this completely. We are right? We are random gifters, are we not? We're random gifters. For me, I think it frees the pressure of gifting on a specific day, like a birthday. Yep. I'm very inconsistent about that. Same. But it's also just a way to say, I'm thinking about you. I thought about you. Yeah. You make me smile. This made me smile, yeah. right? I like this and I think you'd like this. Exactly. But- I want you to be more like me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I, I, I think like to get gifts, more, don't you? It, this really is working for me so far because <laughs> it just, it really lines up with my inconsistency. Like right. this is how I roll. So I'm like, oh, somebody, That's they, right. the cut has deigned to stamp it as approved. Great. Exactly. Exactly. And they explained why, but this, this is my explanation, but I was totally into it. And yeah, they also added like always send mail. Everybody loves getting mail. I think that's a true fact. Yes, I think that's fun. No one would be against getting mail. I, I'm i going to say something controversial. You don't like to get mail? I don't always love getting mail. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's a really hot topic and very controversial. Uh-huh. I can just see people are going to come for us. I know. Yeah. The, the letters are going to come for us. And I'll <laughs> tell you. In snail mail. And Susan won't like getting them. I just want to say I've observed in myself sometimes when people send me mail. Interesting. It takes me a minute to open it because I'm like, oh, this is going to really require some attention and potentially response. Oh, how funny. That's so interesting. I never feel that way. I'm always like, I'll get postcards from friends or a card. It feels like a little present. It feels Uh like a little gift. Yeah, it feels like a little gift. Sometimes for me, it feels like a little homework assignment. Well, I suppose if it's like, I've written you this letter because I have some feelings to express. Yeah, well, that would make me dread opening the mail. It doesn't happen that often. Let's not overstate it. Okay. So let's move on to another one that I think we can agree with. Uh Uh-huh. 
if you're real friends, you accommodate the most COVID careful among you. Uh-huh. Simply true, I think. Uh-huh. Simply true. Uh-huh. No questions uh-huh. asked. If that's what they feel comfortable with, done. Absolutely. Yep. Another one I agree with, um, it's okay to ask how to say someone's name. I right. I live by it. Yep. I did it today. They say do it early <laughs> as possible and casually. And I agree with that. Like a fuss does not need to be made. Simply ask, remember it, move on. There's somebody that we've been working with for mm, six months now. And it struck me right before we got on a call with them that I was like, if I knew how to pronounce their last name, I've lost it to the sands of my memory. And I'm just going to be like, hey, remind us how to pronounce your last name. That's right. There it is. And there we, and it was no, no biggie. No biggie. I used to be very afraid of that, but I'm all for it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Next one. The proper response to being told something you already know isn't. I know it's you're right. I like that one. I think I do it. I don't think I was intentional about it or thought about why I do it, but I think I say, you're right. You're right all the time. You're right. And I don't always, maybe to my own detriment, I don't feel the need to say, I already knew that. Uh huh. I need you to know that I knew that. I, I really don't. I will often, like I said, maybe to my detriment, There have been many a time when I think people underestimated what I knew because I did not make a point to let them know that I knew. Mm. I'm genuinely trying this on and trying to figure out what I say. I feel like it's more along the lines of yes, 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 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Because I think there's a way of saying you're right that is in agreement uh, that doesn't mean, oh, I didn't know that. But now that you've said that, you're right. But rather like, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Totally. You're right. Right, right, right. You're right. Okay. So I'm going to say this back to you so I can remember it. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, I knew that, or I know, know. saying you're right. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe I say, I know. I'm not sure. Maybe I do too. I don't know. But now we have, we have an alternative. We have a choice. Yep. All right. They say the grace period for one-on-one social lateness without penalty remains unchanged at 10 minutes sharp. Mm. No credit is awarded for arriving early and demanding any is impolite. The pandemic changed everything but this. Mm. Okay. I thought that was interesting. And I think that's fair. Yeah. 10 minutes, no problem. No problem, especially if you're meeting in real life again. Also, I think I've gotten far better at this in my older age, but in my (laughs) young years, I was always late. So I was never, ever, ever, I mean ever, in a position to be upset with anybody for being late. Right. No, I just was like, Laura, we are not a hypocrite. If there's one thing we're not, we're not hypocritical about this because I've got, you know, 30 years of lateness. Do you think you're more on time now? Because I I attributed your historical lateness to the fact that you were always kind of crushed and running and running and running from thing to thing to thing to thing. Yes. Probably scheduled too tightly by necessity. Yes. But now- Life has simplified a little bit. 
I think my life has simplified. Yeah. I have, and I, I mean, you learn techniques also of like, well, schedule in the travel time then, you know, you're right. not going to magically get from this place to the next place somehow, but I would kind of like on a wing and a prayer. Yeah. I'll get across town. I'll in catch that the lights. Time. I'll yeah. catch the lights. And, but I also think like, you know, I was kind of an asshole because I'm not proud of this. I don't like this when I see it and feel it in other people, but that's sort of like, I'm so busy. It gives that sense of like, I'm, I'm busier than you. My stuff is more important than you. Mm. Bullshit. Like the person who's waiting on you also has a busy life and they managed to get there on time. So I think it wasn't cool then. It's not cool now, but I think I'm getting better and I've, yeah. forgive myself for it. Yeah. All right. So we now know 10 minutes is the grace period. No bonus points for arriving early and don't be a gloaty weirdo if you did arrive early. That is correct. Okay. Here's something I think we'll agree on. Don't browbeat anyone into joining a game at a party. No. I'm like, don't browbeat anybody no. into doing into anything. anything. Period. Yeah. Period. Okay. Yeah. You may callously cancel almost any plans up until 2 p.m. This is interesting. They go on to say, at 2 p.m., there's still ample time for your friend, if they so choose, to text around and find another dinner companion. By 3, they almost certainly will be alone for the night. What if it's like theater ticket? What if it's like a big ticket? Yeah, it doesn't seem great. I want this one to be true. I really do. Yeah. But it's still, it doesn't always feel good. Yeah, I have remedied all of this by essentially eliminating all social plans from my calendar. I'm not There's kidding. one way to not break any rules. It's here's one way to not like make people unhappy. Yeah. Exactly. I'm thinking of somebody I know from our lives, you know well, I know well, who kind of broke up with me as a friend because I canceled plans this was decades ago, day of, and I'm sitting here thinking if I could look at the timestamp of that email, might it have been before 2 p.m.? And I, there's something in my body that tells me it was right around lunchtime. Really? That person canceled you? Was it theater tickets? Was it something big like that? Dinner. I got canceled. And, and they confirmed later when I was like, hey, you seem really mad at me. And they were like, you canceled. Day of, you canceled. So they did not get the memo about there's a two o'clock cutoff. This memo needs to go out because I, again, similar to the lateness thing, I have canceled. I've been, you know. Same. And I'm also someone who, for the most part, if you cancel on me, I will be just as relieved to be like, awesome, night at home. I think it's an introvert thing. Yes. I really do. Yeah. I think it's an introvert thing and it's a social anxiety thing. It's something that I didn't have language for as a younger person, but I have people cancel me and school me about canceling plans. And I had no, I had no snappy comeback except like I could not day of, I could not bring myself to go forward with the plan. Yeah. And I, now I know that it was social anxiety. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It makes so much sense. 
There's a great thing I saw on TikTok to this point about social anxiety, and it's just this little animated cartoon. I almost sent it to you, but I don't like to clog up anybody's phone with TikToks. And it said an introvert making a phone call, and it's a person holding their phone, and they're like, please don't pick up, please don't pick up, please don't pick up, please don't pick up. up." And the person picks up, and they're like, hi, I was wondering. And I was like, that is me. Like, I completely read like I'm a total extrovert, and I am, please don't pick up. I'm such an introvert, and I have so much social anxiety. Same. Like, I think there was a point where I gave myself permission to be the introvert that I always was. But I, you know, like you, people would be like, oh my God, you are not an introvert. That's ridiculous. Oh my God. And I just didn't know. I didn't have a name for it. Tell that to the number of birthday parties that I have canceled on day of and been like, I can't be at your birthday party. I can't go. Exactly. I'm, I'm so, I feel not great about it. I told you that when I was younger, and again, I have so much to apologize. I feel like, oh God, I have people Ugh. to make amends with. But when I was younger and I, w- I didn't go to p- parties, made me so anxious. Yeah. And that can sometimes lead to even more sort of like you make yourself scarce and people really, 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 really want you there and make, you know, like great efforts to be like, will you go, will you go? And so I would, I think I've told you this before, I apologize, but friends would be like, please, are you going to go? Please go. Will you go? Oh yeah. And you had a total plan. I would have to have a plan. Yes. And I would make people promise and I'm, I would be like, okay, I will go. You will. Oh my God. You're going to go. You're going to go. Yes, I will go, but you have to like sit by me. You have to stand by me. You have to like promise you will be like right there. This is my younger years. Okay. This is like super, super like scaredy cat me. And they're like, I will, I will. I'll be right beside you the whole time. And then what would happen, Suze, is like just getting me there is the hardest part. So then I would get there and then like, bam, across the room, like, (gasps) oh. And I'm off ah, and running. And yeah. my friend, and then I would be like, talk, 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 talk. And my friend would be like, are you fucking what kidding me? Plan? I promised yeah. you I would stand beside you. And then you didn't even t- talk to me all night. And I'm like, I just, like a light bulb went off. I did yeah. what I was like, this yeah. is what I'm supposed to do. Uh-huh. And then I'm getting out of here. And then mm. I would be out like, you know, the Irish exit, which that may be something we're not allowed to say anymore. But being an Irish person, I'll say it. I would slip out the back door. Mm, no goodbye. Best, don't make a fuss. I'm out. The best. My favorite. But it's it's cruel. Like I needed to have some entire framework set up to make sure that I would feel comfortable. Yeah. But then like you, like they pick up and it's like, oh, hello. Da, 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 da. You yeah. know, like yeah. energy on. Exactly. But it's, isn't it weird to have people tell you like, oh, you're not an introvert. They are not living inside my body. They don't know. That's right. They don't know. All right. We're moving on. Okay. For group dinners with friends, always split the bill evenly. Yes. Done. Yes. Yes. But if you're drinking and I'm not, offer to pay the entire tip. Just offer. That's what they say. Just acknowledge. Just acknowledge. Okay. Wait a second. If you were... If you're drinking, drinking and I'm not. Oh, if you're drinking, offer to pay the entire tip. That's a yeah. great idea. And their whole thing was like, just offer. Probably we're going to be like, no, let's just split it anyway. But mm-hmm. it's just nice to acknowledge. Absolutely. Right? 
Um, I, I had my friend yeah. Dorothy used to call that who had the jello. She's like, I can't stand that. Like, who had the jello? It's like, no, no, no. who had the jello? And they, I don't know if they say this in, if I'm jumping your spark, but I also believe in tipping generously. 100%. And people who cannot hang with that, I cannot hang with you. That's right. That tells Unless me what like, I need to know. Don't. If there's a financial, like yes. genuinely, if you're like, I am busted, then I'll be picking up the whole tab. Like, then, yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm on board with this whole rule, but it is similar. Like if you know you ordered the lobster and no one else was eating, you just acknowledge that. Just, but just pick up the check. And then I also think if you choose the restaurant, I'm super conscious of this now. Ah, uh, If this I is... chose a restaurant and it's yeah. pricey, yeah. acknowledge that with your friend. They may not have had that big of a dinner in mind. So I think it's okay to acknowledge and also be prepared to offer to pay to pay more. Agreed. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. So this was interesting. When planning a hangout, it's absolutely fine to say no partners. I was fascinated by this because I realized I always assume it's no partners unless partners are mentioned which is also totally fine. Mention your partners. But I am like, if I'm making a plan with you, uh -huh. I assume it's me and you, unless you say, oh, Nathan's going to be there too. Great. Uh huh. But not the other way around. Like, I've never actually encountered a, this is just us, right? No partners. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't bring Wes without saying, hey, Wes wanted to join us. Do you mind? Like, I, yeah. it's weird. I just was like, wow, is that happening everywhere? And I just didn't know. I'm with you on this. I, I think, I don't know if we've ever talked about this on mic, but I, at my first wedding, <laughs> I had a something, it was very, very curated and it was very small. And you were seeing yes. somebody and you were like, may I bring them? It was also a destination wedding. And I was like, I'm so sorry, you can't bring them. Oh, that's so funny. I don't even remember who I was dating. <laughs> that's probably just fine that they didn't come. But I was like, it's so small that... Yeah, you had accounted down to the detail for yeah. every single... Yeah. And that makes sense. But also there are people that are like, Go fuck yourself. How like, did you invite is, me and not yeah. allow my partner? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting. And I believe it all the way down the line to just like for a hangout. Communication is key with all of this. All right. They have a whole bunch of birthday rules, which I found fascinating because I am not one to point out my birthday at all. Mm -mm. And if it glides on by, I don't mind. I'm not, again, because I gift randomly. I'm happy for others to gift me randomly. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter if it's anywhere near my birthday. But some of these I agree with. So it's interesting. But my lens might be skewed. Just want to say that. If you plan a birthday trip, aggressively message that people should not feel obligated to come. Yeah. This is such a no-brainer. I'm like, always, anything you do, you should message no one is under any obligation. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Interesting, though. I just was like, of course, they shouldn't feel obligated to come. They don't have to come. Um, after high school, you're not allowed to be a birthday diva. I'm just like, I know this is rough, and I apologize to any friends of mine who are birthday divas, but I agree with this. 
Does that mean like at the big center of attention, it's my day, it's my week, I'm going to wear a crown, I'm going to... It means like we're going to have seven birthday parties. I like to make the whole month my birthday. And so I'm going to be doing all these things and I want you to do them as well and be prepared because this is what I do for my birthday. And I'm like, how quickly do I need to inform you that that is not how I do birthdays? I feel like as long as there is no sense of obligation, obligation, then then somebody can diva it up. As long as I am not, my participation is not mandatory, diva it up. Like I don't have a no no birthday diva rule. I have a, as long as you have no attachment to my involvement, rock the fuck on. That's right. Yeah. We go back to rule, the first rule. They also say, do not have an ironic birthday party. They say, it's rude to the people genuinely enjoying that cheesy supper club or medieval times. And I kind of have to agree too. If like, you know what? If there are people there enjoying themselves... Just don't be a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't yuck somebody's yum. If they're yeah. having if they're yes. loving this, let them love yeah. this, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. This kind of goes back to the you can cancel before two. It's fine to use COVID as an excuse to get out of almost anything. I'll take it. I'm like, yes, please. If yeah. you don't feel well at all, that's all enough said. Don't, you know, please opt out. Yeah. If we've learned anything, can we learn that? Like then that be the takeaway. Yep. Moving on to some of their rules that surprised me or mm. I have questions about mm. or even some that make me cringe or make Let's get me into squirm. It. Okay. Yes. All right. This one is weird. This one is weird and I'm going to give a, there's a person attributed to an explanation and I'll read that to you. Okay. Disperse. Don't clump the superstars at the table. This is from a person named Wendy Goodman who I'm sure is someone who knows these sorts of things. But Wendy Goodman said, never ever make a superstar, whether they are famous or just extremely charismatic, face a wall. They always face the room. They must be allowed to sparkle. I once sat a very famous actor facing a wall at a dinner party. He did not say anything to me, but I think he was upset. And I've often thought about it since. Okay. I find this to be interesting because I've seen famous people at restaurants who seem to prefer to be facing the wall or the window with their back to the rest of the space. So they're not interrupted throughout their whole meal. Yeah. And they're not performing for the room. They're just Uh trying to eat in peace and spend time with their friends or their family or whatnot. This seems Mm -hmm. like a personal preference to me because also not every quote unquote, famous person is the same. You know, they are unique individuals with their own taste and their own preferences. They are not a monolith. And also some people prefer to sit back against the wall. Right. Or facing the door. Yes. Because there's something in their nervous system that they can be calm when they can see everything that's coming at them or they have a vantage point of the door. My husband is not a famous person. He is to me. But he, <laughs> when we go to a restaurant, I know where he's going to want to sit yeah. because he is going to want to be able to protect us Aww. if necessary. And he's had to, like we've been on the subway and he has had to, he has physically, physically put his body 
between me slash other passengers and harm's way, thrown his body like a shield. And it's because he was positioned in a way where he could see everything that was going on. So I, I, that's a tangent, but I'm sort of like superstars, quote unquote, are not a monolith. And so when in doubt, if it's your dinner party, ask that person where they prefer to sit. I mean, it's sort of like, Really? Yeah, that, Let's that not seems, make assumptions. Yeah, I don't know about that one. All right, Suze, this one, oh, I'm taking a deep breath here because it's Uh-oh. their rule. It's not my rule, but okay. I might agree with it. All right. When another human is present, don't talk to your animal in the private voice you use when you're alone. Oh, God, I'm so busted. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I want to say, I want to say, I want to talk out of both sides of my mouth. (laughs) Out of one side, I want to say, I completely agree with this. Mm -hmm. I think when I see other people do it, Uh there are times when I find it to be the most repellent thing. I'm just like, don't TMI. I don't need to know that. It's almost like, or I'm just like, it just is like nails on a chalkboard. (laughs) And (laughs) I, when it's me (laughs) and I do it, I'm guilty of doing that. It's interesting. It's just something to think about. It's just something to think about. Is there more you'd like to say, Laura? No, No, I too also have like sometimes uh, repellent reactions and sometimes I didn't even notice. You know what I mean? It probably depends on the person, the place, the time, the pet. I mean, it can really depend on everything. I think it does. There are people that I see on social media, because I love a good animal video, as I I don't think I'm alone on that. Yeah. You know what it is, Laura? Why? I'm arriving at this in real time. It's when it feels performative. Like the person, the human is doing it as a performance that I'm like, ugh. And when they are just communing with the animal, it feels different to me. Okay. Can I just say, this is interesting because it relates back to that don't communicate like you're an influencer when you're not. Yeah. When it's performative, yeah, I think that bothers me. But if you want to get on there and talk as though like I'm talking to, I don't care if you have 47 friends, I'm talking to my 47 friends and it feels totally authentic and real, I'm right there with you. It's the performative nature. There's also a faux jocularity. Uh I don't know how better to put it than that. Uh And this goes to authenticity as well, where I'm like, the way that you're talking to the pet or performatively talking to the pet has a, is not completely authentic. And I'm also like, that's what gives me the shivers. Mm -hmm. There are certain videos where people are just loving their I have to say, sometimes I like this. <laughs> this episode of the podcast is my instant favorite ever. <laughs> oh, I'm just realizing it. <laughs> there are times on social media where someone is especially talking to their little pet birds, uh-huh. these beautiful, affectionate little pet birds. And the bird is so loving and so affectionate and so delightful. And the person is talking to them and responding in kind or laughing, laughing at something they're doing. And sometimes they have a little private yes. pet voice okay. that they're talking with. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm with it. I'm okay. here for it. Okay. So I think, I think it has something again to do with authenticity and is it performative or not? Yeah. 
I think we're getting to something here. (laughs) Really deep stuff. (laughs) I love it. Are y'all still with us? Okay. (laughs) Now I may speed through a couple, but but maybe not. Here's one. If someone starts telling you a story you've heard before, you have two seconds to tell them. According to New York Magazine, you are to interject with, oh my gosh, that was hilarious or truly horrific or unbelievable. You've told me. But if you don't say it within the allotted time, you have to listen to them tell the story again. And if you're in a larger group, you just have to listen, period. Mm-hmm. You know what gets me about this one is that I have a thing and I've, I'm fascinated by it, that people will stop and ask if you've heard this before, before they've said anything. So they're like two sentences in, they're like this one time, have I told you this? And I'm like, I, I don't know if you've told me because I need more information. (laughs) (laughs) I need more to go on than that one time I, did I already tell you this? I'm like, my God, I don't know. Please give me some clue before you ask me if I've already heard this. I also, I have to say, (laughs) as somebody with an aging brain, you and I talk all the time for decades. (laughs) And so we will often be like, I'm going to tell you a story. I may have told you this before. Yes. And I think you and I, when we're like, I know this When we recognize, yes. When we recognize it, we say, yes, yes. Yes. And so that may be past two seconds in, and there is no offense taken about it. Agreed. Usually we finish with enough information to make the point we were aiming at. I mean, it's like name that tune. So (laughs) if you can name it in two seconds and two notes, great. Good on you. But you might need the whole chorus before you're like, I think you have told me this. I think, and Nathan, and I do that too, where we're like, yes, yes. But you let the person make their point. Yes, exactly. It's like why they're saying this now. And if it's a group and you've heard it seven times, you hear it again. You hear it again. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Now this one, I'm going to read a little bit what this person wrote too, because it's attributed to someone named Freddie DeBoer. And I have some thoughts about this one. Okay. This rule is never show that you're impressed by anyone. And Freddie writes, I'm counseling you to never be impressed based on my conviction that being impressed by people you meet is an implicit endorsement of the status competition that dogs so much of our social lives. We're impressed by degrees and professional accomplishments and physical beauty and fame, none of which is the basis of lasting human connection. Developing affection for someone makes you more human. Being impressed by someone makes you less. Freddie says, the problem with being impressed by people is that it subordinates you and dehumanizes them. And Freddie goes on to describe like a famous person and someone who isn't famous trying to interact with that celebrity. And it's excruciatingly awkward. Mm -hmm. And the regular person is anxious and the celebrity's uncomfortable, bop, 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 bop. But then this is the thing. And Freddie's like, don't be aloof. Don't be cold. Good God. Don't be self-impressed. Just meet someone, note who they are, feel your indifference to their accomplishments and get busy with the work of getting to know them and hopefully of becoming their friend. Before too long, you'll forget you were ever impressed by anyone in the first place. I think Freddie is conflating two things. Like I agree with the concept overall 
I'm a believer in getting to know people as peers, as fellow humans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as you coined, Suze, and we say at the Spark File, no one is above me, no one is below me, haters to the left. For this very reason. For this very reason. Mm -hmm. But what I think Freddie is conflating is this superficial adoration because someone is famous versus simply being impressed with a person. I think it can be meaningful to be impressed by people. I'm impressed by them all the time, but the things that impress me are how smart they are, the amount of work that they put into learning something, yes. how they treat other people. These are impressive things. Yeah. And I want to be impressed by that. I completely agree with you. And as you were reading Freddie's thoughts on this, I really believe in nobody's above me, nobody's below me, haters to the left. It's a really fun way to live. And I'm a big fan of saying what you have an opportunity to say to people. So meeting somebody as a peer on their level and getting to say, I'm so happy in this lifetime that I have this opportunity to say to you how much your book meant to me. That's right. It's beautiful. I'm not subjugating myself by doing that. I'm just saying I see something beautiful that you have made in the world, and I'm so happy I get a chance to tell you. And I acknowledge it. That yeah. book took a lot of time and yeah. research. That book affected many lives, including mine. And I find that to be impressive, but in a sense of gratitude for the work that they've done, not in the sense of like, oh, you're so much better than me because you did that. I don't feel that way. But I do want to tell people when they've had an impact on my life, I want to tell them. Absolutely. And both of us have had a lot of opportunity to make choices around this very circumstance, yeah, like a lot of opportunity. And this is what Laura and I are describing is born out of probably a lot of trial and error and experimentation as we have grown and changed as people. And it's different for everybody. But for me, this is the funnest place to live, to meet somebody as a peer, never to subjugate and never to subordinate somebody else. Yeah, I'm not better than them. But to also take opportunities to get to bask in the glory of other people's creativity, their accomplishments. It's so fun. And it really does. Like I have to say, I think it is meaningful to people, especially when you lead with kindness and specificity. I think it's really meaningful to people. I think so too. I yeah. think so too. I'm like, I don't know if I want to live in a world where we can't say to each other, why would people aspire to things? And if we couldn't just acknowledge, hey, you did something meaningful. Really neat. Yeah. That was really neat. And knowing yeah. that it could be as simple as like, I saw how you handled that kerfuffle on the subway. I'm really impressed how you de-escalated that situation. You're talking to Nathan now, right? I'm talking right to Nathan. Tell him. I'm very impressed. He shielded us with his body. Right? And then I've had people say to me, I'm so impressed with how you spoke to that child. And I'm like, I spoke to that child like a human being because they are. And things like that, that I'm like, that doesn't mean you're subjugating yourself. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Suze, this one is funny, especially because I know you have a story about Robert De Niro. Oh. But this one they named, they're like, this is, this is the rule. I'm saying this word, word for word. 
you and Bobby De Niro may go way back, but to everyone else, he's Robert. Yeah. Same goes for Annie Hathaway and Jen Lawrence. (laughs) Name drop. (laughs) They say nickname dropping is worse than regular name dropping. I'm sure I'm guilty of this. Certainly. I'm just laughing. I was laughing because it's Bobby De Niro that they used. And I know you have a Bobby De Niro story. But I don't think I've ever called him no, Bobby. No, you say Robert De Niro. Ever. Exactly. Yes. So you're proving the point. Like, how obnoxious is that to be like, oh, I was talking to Annie Hathaway the other day. Yeah. Like, okay. So that I just thought that was funny. You're not guilty of bobbying him. Okay. There's a whole slew of rules about If you like them, text people within three hours of hanging out with them. Like romantically like them? No, it's even friends. I'm going to speed through this one. This is from Annie Hamilton. And this is what Annie says. And I'll speed through a few things. It was very complex. And to me, I thought, A, I've broken all these rules. And I've had wonderful times with friends. And I feel I failed them in this whole category. So if you like them, text people within three hours of hanging out with them. If you didn't receive a text from me within three hours after our hanging out, it was signal that I did not have a good time and I am simply not interested. No, this obligation shit right? can eat my butt. Like, no, no, Annie no. says, I understand not all of my cohort follows this rule, but they should. It is rude to not confirm that a good time was had. I hate it when people say should to me, Annie. My rule for you is don't should me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, invisible rule book. Yes. Holy crap. So they go on to, if you met the person for the first time, the person who did not ask for the hangout should be the first to text that they had a good time. If nobody texts within the three hours post initial meetup, not only should you not expect a friendship, you should come to terms with the fact that neither of you even respects each other. No. When hanging out with a famous person, you should not expect a follow-up text. I think Annie's just making trouble and stirring shit. No, no, it's all this stuff, all of these rules. It was like, yeah, and I just wrote this maybe one too many rules for me within one rule, Annie. It's too complicated. It's like way too much. No. Here's another controversial one. You can eat anything at your desk in an open plan office. Even things that that have a strong smell. I think that's new. And I think that will just drive people back into work from home. You want tuna? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm so hungry. That sounds delicious. Like Actually, I would like a tuna melt right now. That's too much tuna. Too much tuna. Okay. They suggest that we should ask how much everyone pays in rent because it empowers everybody to know. I love those sorts of conversations. Like, why not, right? I do. I enjoy those. Here's one. Even when a kid's party says no gifts, you're supposed to bring a gift. Oh, this makes me mad. Like anything where it's like you should or you should know the secret rule book. I'm just like, fuck off. I don't like any rule that is encouraging us to say one thing, but do another. Agreed. Or encouraging us not to trust the words that people use. I think we should be moving more towards trust that people say what they mean. Uh huh. If I ask you once, like, are you mad? Are you okay? What's happening? And you say, I'm fine. Okay. I will take you at your, your words. 
energetically, you do not feel fine, but you have said you are fine. And I can't do anything else except continue to ask you. So if this whole I'm fine in a snippy way is meant to get me to, I'm supposed to know that I need to ask exactly how many more times? Yeah. Three more times? Four more times? No. 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 I mean, if you're not fine, I think it's acceptable to say, I'm not fine. I don't think I'm ready to talk about it yet. Yeah. But I will talk to you about it, whatever, whatever the case may be. But try not to encourage people to use words that mean one thing and expect that you have a different understanding of them. If you say no gifts, I can only take that at its word. No gifts. Okay then don't expect that I'm somehow going to know to show up with one, right? I'm with you. 100%. Okay. Hot gossip goes into the voice memo only, never in text. I think anything, an email, text, Mm -hmm. voice memo is a press release. And if you would not be comfortable with it getting out, there, there are times I've almost communicated stuff to you and I'm like, I'll tell her when nope. I see her. Yeah. I'll tell her when I see yes. her. Yes. Yeah. I didn't learn that until later in life. And frankly, it was around a bunch of grownups who behaved like teenagers recording each other in secret, uh-uh. capturing texts, uh-uh. s- screenshotting texts and spreading them around. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I didn't know. People were doing this. An email, a voicemail, a text message is a press release. Yep. So unless you want it to go wide, yep. no, no, no. Yep. Yep. Uh, this was cringy for me. I'll be quick. Don't be loudly naive about dating apps if you're in a relationship. I didn't think about this, but so this is what they wrote. Your single friends have likely put up with a host of your well-intended yet annoying behaviors. That time you invited your significant other to tag along without asking. Those other times you offered to set them up with your significant other's unemployed friends. You may think that asking basic questions about their newfangled dating apps. So which way do you swipe again? Shows interest and engagement in their loved lives. But your wide-eyed curiosity could just as easily come across as patronizing. And as a subtle reminder of your own blissful insulation from the dumpster fire that is app dating. I feel like that was written by somebody who has that firsthand experience. But this whole group agreed upon it and made it a rule. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of people feeling that way. I never thought about it. And maybe that makes me the asshole. Well, I'll, I'll I'll take that information in. I also think some of these are just sort of like, it's fun for the writers at the cut to be like, not only do we report on the culture, we set the culture. And so some of it, I think it's it's provocative for fun. Well, yes. You know. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I'm going to say just a couple more and then I promise we're going to wrap up. Susan, brace yourself. Do not describe TikToks. It's more boring than describing dreams. I've done that in this podcast episode. (laughs) I have done it too. And I'm like, damn, wow, New York Magazine. Note taken. What are we saying? When you learn something interesting in a TikTok. So I guess, but that the thing is that furthers the idea of like, we're just not going to attribute it to a TikTok. I'm just going to say, you know, I was reading the other day. I was. I read something. (laughs) Exactly. 
Oh, okay. This is an interesting one. It's never too late to send a condolence note. And they talk at length about how literally, even if it's a year, do it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I needed that. I needed that. I like that. Conversely, though, they say, if you ghost someone, stay gone forever. Okay. Ouch. Okay. All right. Um, Weird one. Never answer a compliment with a compliment. Okay. This is interesting. I think there's something to this. I think that it could be separated, though, with a thank you, taking it in, and then if you have something to say, you could say it. Agreed. Because if you're using your response compliment as like a she, a Wonder Woman deflection, ba-bam, ba-bam, I'm not letting your compliment in. Yeah. But what you're saying is exactly it. Let it in. Thank you. And I love your glasses as well. Yeah. Great. Susan. Oh, this one made me laugh. I'm sorry. (laughs) If someone mispronounces a word, but you knew what they meant, just move along. Okay. And I laughed at that one because I'm like, I don't mind it. I like when you tell me I'd rather know. I mean, you know, I'll just take a running go at something. And if I say it incorrectly, you correct. They're talking about in the course of conversation. Yeah. I'm always thinking about you in perpetuity on a recording of a podcast and how would you want to, I want to know, I want to know, or if we're (laughs) in class, can I I admit something to you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. (laughs) So full disclosure, Laura and I, I have recorded two episodes of the podcast back to back. We just recorded one and now this is the second one. In the last episode, you misused a word and I didn't correct you. What word was it? We've talked about it on the podcast before. Penultimate. Oh, it doesn't mean the ultimate. Doesn't mean the ultimate. It means the one before the last one. So if there's 10 things, it's not the 10th thing. It's it's number number nine. nine. Yeah. That's exactly what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) But there's always this moment where I'm like, do you want to be the Hermione Granger, Susan, who is just like... That's not how you use that word. But another angle is, do you want to make sure that your friend is representing themselves the way they want to be represented on mic in perpetuity? And also, I'm sure I do it too. Anyway. No, I'm saying I disagree with this rule because I want to learn. I don't think I get angry about it. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Wow. I mean, maybe if I'm on like the 10th take of something, which we never get to the 10th take of something. But if we're tired or whatever, I might be like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) B plus work out the door, baby. I like learning. I try to stay not defensive about that. But I also never know like the timing of it because I was like, you have two seconds. Even when we're making that recording, I was exactly (laughs) per the cuts rules. I was like, do I stop now? Do I have Laura just say in the clear the word ultimate so we can cut it in. Do I, I was like doing this whole, like weighing it out. And I was like, fuck it. Fuck that one. Yes. I was talking about number nine. Who cares? She was talking about number nine. (laughs) Okay. I I swear we're almost done. Even though we're not even like, there's 194. Did I say that? This one made me mad. Do not touch the small of my back to move around me out at the bar. If you're ugly. Oh, fuck off. And then I was like, you know what? Whoever wrote this is ugly. 
that's ugly to me. Mm. You're either okay with someone touching the small of your of your back or you are not. But to put that criteria on there of like if you're who the fuck are you? No. To decide. No. Okay. All right. Susan, it's okay to email, text or DM anyone at any hour. No. 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 I don't no. see how when did that come to be? <laughs> no. Sometimes people who don't know me well, uh, they may be on a thread of an email thread, will email after my bedtime of 10, 20 p.m. And it, I will get enraged. Sometimes I can't figure out the settings. There, I've, I've put it on airplane mode. It is on do not disturb. It is on focus mode. And sometimes it will still slip through and my phone won't stop buzzing and I want to throw the phone and the texture uh-uh. across the room. No. I, so I guess I disagree with this. Yeah. But here's the unfair thing. Yeah. Nobody knows that. Nobody knows that my bed, until this podcast, uh, that my bedtime is 10, 20 p.m. I guess my rule is because my, I don't get those alerts. Uh, my rule yeah. would be like, sure, text me if you want. You're going to hear from me on my timeline. Of course. Not your timeline. But of course. they're referring even to work stuff. I'm like, no, we're moving backwards there. They can communicate it. You're just not going to hear back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guilty of this. Don't comment on other people's food. I would comment on other people's food, but complimentarily, but I think that there's more sensitivity to it now. Do you mean other people's cooking? No, just like what they're about to eat. Don't say, oh my God, that looks so good. Or, oh my gosh, you ordered well. They're literally just like, you don't know about people's potential journeys with disordered eating. Got it, and got so it, got it, got it, got it. just don't come. I'm like, okay, good to know. Good to know. Susan, don't ever message someone the letter K. I've done it to you. I think you've done it to me. Right? Okay. When we are running, when one of us is running late, speaking of late, and it's like, I'll be there as soon as possible. Like, it's the same as like the little thumbs up to me of like, okay, yeah, no I don't, big deal. I don't care about that. But yeah. according to New York Magazine, it basically means fuck you to Gen Z, but K, no period, or KK, or OK are fine. But you can't put a period all, all, after No. That. All of this, like this little minutia and all of this, what it means is, that's not what it means to Laura and I. Nope. And I, I, and I probably wouldn't text that to somebody I didn't know very well. I probably would make it a more formal or elongated, but that works for us. So all of this is to say like people's responses to this article were nuts. These aren't even like tip of the iceberg. This is like a sampling, but the comments overall included the sentiment that there is just too much sensitivity too much wokeness. And who are these people who are just hanging around with so many celebrities that that alone needs its own guidebook? Uh Uh-huh. Somebody wrote, just don't be a weenie. Conflict, anger, sex, ego, assholes, and dark humor are all unavoidable in life. Adults should be equipped to be in the presence of all, or at least talk of any of those things without flinching. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my biggest hang up overall with, with it is this. I don't like an unwritten rule book. I don't like it when people have a moral code by which they are judging you, but they have never told you what their expectations are. I just, I won't play. 
I won't play and it will piss people off, but I won't play. Maybe I had too much of that moving target when I was growing up, just never being able to like please the narcissist in my life. And I used up all my adaptive energy for that potentially. But if you are my friend and you would like to introduce a new rule into the relationship, please do it directly, honestly, and authentically. And that's your rule. And that's my rule. My rule is we will talk about our rules. Feel free to tell me what your expectations are. If I am unable to meet them, I will let you know. I haven't always been able to do that, but as I've aged, I've gotten so much more clear. I've had people tell me they're looking for a talk every day, text every day type of friend. And I was grateful that they said that because I was able to say, I don't think I'm in for that. I can't promise you that. So I try to keep my rules pretty simple. Authenticity, empathy, integrity, humor, kindness, grace, forgiveness. I think you can get by pretty well in life by applying any of the above. Josh Barrow wrote on his blog called Very Serious. He had a lot of issues with the list and wrote about trying to figure out what his issues were and eventually boiled it down to this. Etiquette is for setting other people at ease. New York Magazine's conception of etiquette is selfish. It's about self-soothing, having rules to follow so that you can stop freaking out about whether you're doing it wrong. And I have to say, I agree. Most things can be made better when we think about the other person and realize it isn't all about us. That was fucking fun. And apparently we had very strong opinions about some of those rules. We had some thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And there's others, Suze, we'll, I'm sure we'll do it off mic. But Oh, my God. Don't describe TikToks. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. Some Don't talk to your wrong. dog and your little asshole voice. They're not wrong. <laughs> guilty as charged. I was guilty of so many of these. I just was like, oh, God, I've been an asshole and I've been unaware of my assholeness. You know, it's just like there is a lot of cultural and social change that has yes. happened over the past several years. And I think like I feel as a person who has like an elastic brain, I'm like, all right, bring it on. I'll roll with this and I can learn. But some of this stuff, I'm just like, now you're just trying to throw down an obstacle course for me for some of them. Yeah. Some of them I totally agree with, yeah. but the ones that I'm just like, oh, you're just trying to make my life harder with your rules about like texting after. So like, Fuck straight off. Really? When you get into that, I'm just like, that's a yeah. hard pass from me. But you enjoy it. Yeah. You go ahead. Go ahead. You and see how that works out. Oh, Laura, that was so fun. Oh, thanks oh, for going God, on I that roller so coaster with me. God damn it. That was fun. That was fun. And I guess that's, that's it. it. This episode of The Spark File was made on the lands of the Lenape people. And as always, we hope this put another bunch of sparks in your file. If there is a spark that you'd like us to explore, or if you'd like to learn more about how to coach with us to bring your creative ideas to life, email us at thesparkfile at gmail.com or submit it through our website, thesparkfile.com. We'll even happily take your feedback, but you know the price of admission. First, you've got to share a creative risk that you have taken recently. You can follow us on social at The Spark File and be sure to subscribe, rate, and five-star review this podcast. It really, really helps other listeners to find us. Also, if you like this podcast, we hope that you'll share it with people that you love. And if you didn't like it, wait until 2 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time on the day 
<laughs> and text, but mm-hmm. don't text after three hours because that will indicate that you didn't like us or you but did you like did us like or we're us. not sure. But you did because that was the unspoken part of the rule. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. If something lights you up and gets your creative sparks flying, we are writing you a forever permission slip to make that thing that's been knocking at your door. It's your turn to take that spark and fan it into a flame. You know, you got to take it and and make it. it. Oh my God, Laura. I wanted to tell you about this TikTok I saw that made me laugh so hard. It's a little cartoon of a dog and it's like, please, please wake up (laughs) and be And then another little dog pops up and goes, and me. (laughs) When I bump into something that inspires me, I dump it in my spark fire. Could be something that I want to make or how I want to be. I pump it in my spark fire. I jump into my spark fire. Let's open up the spark fire. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be part of the Sparkfile coaching community? Here's how the Sparkfile community describes it. The most honest, safe, life-affirming, and life-changing experience I've had in all my 55 years. The best. I'm incredibly grateful to Laura and Susan for teaching me the tools and structures that I need to get past the fear and to just do it anyway. The Sparkfile is a portal to your creative powers and believing in yourself. This group is spiritually, emotionally, mentally supportive. Supportive, creative, amazing, encouraging, life-shifting, and liberating. Uber-talented, warm, thoughtful, lovely, wonderful people. I need a group like this to give me the kick in the ass that I need to start making the things that I want to make and do. There's a big, beautiful, creative trampoline that just like catches you gently and just launches you out with so much love. If you want to learn more about the Sparkfile creativity coaching, including our six-month Blaze course, visit thesparkfile.com slash blaze and schedule a no-pressure, no-obligation call to find out what is possible and how we can support you. It's time to take it and make it.